Hello, welcome audience. I'm Dan Spearin. I am uh, vice president of the IWCC, the Independent Web Creators of Canada. We put on TO WebFest every May. And in other lives, I've been a YouTuber, a MySpace video producer, as well as a snarky person on Twitter. Hey, everyone. I'm Mariah Owen. I'm an actor, writer, producer from Toronto. Um, I, I love everything TV and film related and social media. Uh, most recently, I had a film at South by Southwest titled MFA. And my name is Vince Kisavmurthy, and I actually work with Dan on uh, the Girth Radio podcast for IWCC, which is called Creator Town. I'm also a OG YouTuber slash filmmaker slash sad human being. <laughs> <laughs> I like that intro. That's great. <laughs> Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio in session. Well, thanks for uh, for staying. We just uh, recorded your podcast, Creator Town. Mm -hmm. It's a buddy system this week. Yeah, yes. there you go. Um, and so I thought that, you know, after, after, you know, we all had met, uh, a few weeks ago, I go, I think you had said it, Dan, you said yeah. we should do a podcast together. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I said, yeah, why don't we, you know, record one and, and we can, uh, uh, record one conversation and share it amongst, amongst, uh, bo both of our podcasts. So, so thanks for staying. Usually I'm the one that goes first and you guys come after me. Uh, we just did it for spite, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll see how you like it going. Out. Oh my goodness! <laughs> um, but no, I, I you guys are doing some great stuff, and I've got like loads of questions for all three of you. Um, but um, I, I'm going to be polite and go with ladies first. Is that okay, Mariah? You're up. Vince. Well, I guess so. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, Vince, are you ready? Yes, yeah, you, I am ready. Are you ready for me yes. to ignore you now? Um, but Mariah, like on your uh, on your Twitter handle, it's not your name. So it's so when I so when you first <laughs> when when you first plugged that that you were going to be here, I said, "Who is this Maria Hoven?" <laughs> There's and no V in my in my last name either. You're the only person that I know, though. With the name Mariah, outside of Mariah Carey. Thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think go, that's parents. probably why we all assume it's Maria if Maria you were just looking at you on social. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm going on to... Um, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> if you saw double yeah. V, it would be Mariah Hohen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I see why you changed oh, it. Yes. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, As you were. Sorry. <laughs> so Google doesn't know that who, who this Maria person was. And I go, wow, like, you know, she, she just put out this movie and... It's not an, you know, she's not an IMBD. It's like, I hope she's doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Is she going to be okay? Is she, is she is coming she... here because we're in a bar and there's food? <laughs> I wasn't sure. <laughs> so I, I found the, um, what's the URL you share? I'm going to kill my rapist? How it's um how to kill your rapist. How to kill your rapist. It's funny yes. that you were close with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're like, oh, it's close. So... so I looked at the website, and at the bottom, mm -hmm. it says Maria Owen. I go, oh, it's Maria. Mariah, sorry, Maria. See? I got the Maria. It's all right. It said Mariah there. And I go, oh, Mariah. And, and yes, you do have a... I and it turns page. out you exist. She's okay. I, I am a real person. You are a real person. <laughs> yes. You're not, you're not some homeless Maria girl that put out this, <laughs> this, this movie. YouTube movie. But I'm, I was very curious uh, about uh, this latest movie. Um, what's the name again? It's titled MFA, as in a Master of Fine Arts. Is that what it stands for? Yes. So, um, a little bit about the film. It's yeah. a female. It's a female vigilante thriller about campus rape. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, written by Leah McKendrick, who is a phenomenal actor, writer, producer, and it stars Francesca Eastwood. Um, you know, Clint Eastwood's daughter. She's uh, mm -hmm. in the new Twin Peaks. She has a lot, a ton of movies coming out. Um, and it was directed by um, Natalia Lette, who had a film called Bear, which you can find on Netflix as well. So a really female-driven, um, intense film that I, I'm really lucky to be a part of. It's, it, it's, it, it raises a lot of questions, and it also starts a lot of conversations that um, aren't being had about campus rape and how we deal with rape culture. So it's a really important film for me, and I'm so excited. We had our premiere at South by Southwest a couple months ago, and um, we're, we're selling it and 
hoping to get as many eyeballs on it as possible. Yeah. Um, I was really fascinated with the premise of the movie. And, you know, you just talked about how it's, it's starting a lot of conversations uh, that need to be had. Um, I'm not going to assume or presume that I know what these conversations are. Um, but for yourself, you know, what are some of these... What's, what's one conversation that you feel we're not having these days as it pertains to uh, campus rape? Oh, man. I, I mean, it, it's really hard to just pick one. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I mean, looking at statistics from schools, there we, we aren't being realistic. We aren't being honest um, with how many rapes are happening on, colleges, on college campuses um, and off campus. And, uh, you know, it's a huge, huge, huge issue right now with student athletes Mm. um and there's a lot of brutality and we we like to hide that because we like to you know um hold our our athlete and i'm an athlete i've been an athlete my entire life and um so it's nothing against athletes but you know we have a lot of there's there's a lot of stuff we need to work on and this Mm. film really highlights that and i really hope that um when people see this film whether you know you are a victim of sexual assault or you're not um you're inspired to make this world a better safer place yeah Mm -hmm. Um, you know, here in Toronto and, and, and across Canada, I think it got some international headlines. Um, you know, there, were, there was a, a radio host in Canada, very popular, um, that was accused by many people right. of um, assault, rape, and so on and so forth. Um, that it was, a, it was very interesting as an observer to follow that trial mm-hmm. right. um, and to see how both the the victims of abuse were treated um, by the media, especially by the media, versus how the accused was treated by the media. Um, there was it was almost a line was drawn saying, "The accused is innocent until proven guilty, and these women are automatically liars." Exactly. Um, and it, it 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 was fascinating to to watch. Um, to listen to the arguments being made and to realize that when the court system found him not guilty, there was an assumption that these actions that um, he had taken um, were considered to be lies. Like these actions didn't happen at all Mm -hmm. because he was found not guilty. And I looked at it differently. I looked at it as, no, no, no. The courts found him um, not guilty. They didn't find him not in. They didn't find him innocent. They found him not guilty of these charges. Doesn't mean that what he uh, was accused of doing in the courts didn't actually happen. Um, and I'm curious, you know, from your perspective, Mariah, um, you know, as uh, and and I will assume one thing that you did sort of follow that trial. Um, yeah. your your thoughts on the conversations that people were having and the media was having, you know, during and after the verdict. I, I think it's really frustrating because um, immediately when a, a woman accuses someone of sexual assault, they're the first thing is, are you really sure it happened? Yeah. Are you sure? Like, did mm. did you say no? And I think the the hardest part of reading the conversations and reading um, all of the response after and before the trial and during. Um, it's really heartbreaking to think that we're more likely to assume that a woman lied about her body and what happened to it yeah. than assuming that a man would be capable of doing this. And mm-hmm. I mean, women rape people as well. And, sure. um, but it, I think it was just this kind of really sad realization that, um, we don't, I don't want to say we don't want to help our victims, but it's almost, it's, it's harder to hear the conversations from victims than it is from those who are accused. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think oftentimes we only hear really from the accused being like, oh, it didn't happen or um, it, it was really heartbreaking to read a lot of those stories. Yeah. So. Um, I'm, I'm curious, uh, do you know anyone who's been raped? Yes. Yeah. And did, did they go to the police? Cause my assumption is it's, you know, me looking at it, yeah, you go to the place, that's the first thing you do. You go and go and report it. But then, you know, I can't put myself in that person's shoes, but I go, I can now imagine what goes through someone's mind when they're just about to say, okay, I'm going to go tell the police, but then they think about, shit, I got to live this thing now for the next two to three years every day 
if I go to the police? Mm -hmm. Are people going to believe me? They're going to talk about what happened to me over and over again. I'm going to have to tell so many people um, multiple times what has happened to me. Do I want to do that? Or um, am I going to find another way to, number one, get over this, and number two, quote-unquote, punish that person? And I think it's really difficult because any victim of sexual assault, you never... You, you can't just get over it, you know, and I, I think that's the hard mm. part. And I, I think you, you learn in in I don't, learn to deal with it or learn to kind of get through your day. Yeah. Um, however, I think it is a really scary thing because you're raised to, you know, call the police. They, they know how to fix everything and Something solve everything. Something bad happens, yeah, yeah. And I, I do believe that there are a lot of wonderful officers who try and do their best. Um, however, I think this the system that we have fails Mm-hmm. victims i really do yeah um and i think it's really it's devastating that you you know in theory let, let's say like uh, y- you experience this act of horrible violence and you're too terrified to go to the police because you're worried exactly of all those things you just mentioned of having to repeat um what happened to you in those intimate moments mm-hmm. um and we we really need to change the system so i hope when people watch mfa um, they'll they'll see what because we have a lot of victims in this movie and um, you you see so many different sides and mm-hmm. I think that's the other thing um, I I myself was a little ignorant I would say before working on this film I didn't really understand I thought that schools um, were doing a great job about mm-hmm. keeping people safe because you know they have people who will walk you to your dorm at night and they'll have the you know they have yeah. this group and this and um, I'm uh, I'm an actor in, in the movie as well and there's a scene that I'm in. Um, for, for the school group called Title Niners. And we play this mm. group of girls who, um, you know, like V-Day Balboa, they have them at different campuses. There's these group of girls who are trying to end violence against women. And they're baking cookies, and they're doing all these drives and stuff like that. And I, it is helping, mm. but I also think it's not the help that we need to see a massive change. Um, and that, that help that we need is going to be coming from, you know, changing the law changing the rules how do we view rape how how do we view assault how um it, there we i need everyone to watch this movie think some new things and hopefully we can um really change how how we we view rape from a legal standpoint and from a societal mm-hmm. yeah I, I don't think the the court system as it is set up today is 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 equipped to properly deal with specifically with rape like you know, I I don't, um, I don't understand how someone who has been through a horrific activity that, um, what it's called a rape kit, I think that they that yeah. they get done or something that shows, yep, they've they've been raped, then has to actually legally go through hoops, um, you know, to prove that you know you know science has already proven that this has happened, and after and especially the thing that is blows my mind with rape kits is after a horrible event such as rape you, you tend to be in shock uh-huh. right and then would the first thing you would want to do go to the police especially in the world that we live in today well maybe you'll, you go home you shower that rape kit it it doesn't it does nothing there's nothing to test after you've showered mm. a rape kit won't nothing will come of it so what um, one of the things that I've been accused of is um, is not setting up these interviews properly. <laughs> so, uh, I but I do want to ask you this: is, mm-hmm. is how did you get started on this project? This is actually the most peculiar project for me. I um, I started my production company, GTE Productions, um, March 2016. Um, I had been producing before, and I decided I really want to go out on my own. And I set up my IMDb, my company profile page, my website, all of this. I had done a couple shorts and web series, and I got a cold email to my Hotmail account. And I have, like, I have a, my production company account. That's where all my emails go to. And I got this random email that was like, hi, my name's Leah. I'm a female filmmaker. And if you're thinking about a film, look at mine. And um, she went on to, you know, talk a little about herself and the people who were on board the project and um, a little bit about the project. And I was very interested from the beginning, but I honestly thought it was a scam. I was okay. like, here's this girl, you know, what? Like, who? This is this is an amazing project. There has to be something wrong with it. Yeah. <laughs> and I sent it to my agent and my manager, and I was like, guys, what do you, like, what do you think about this? Like, should I email this girl back? And they're like, yeah, do it. And she was from L.A. 
and I, I emailed her back and I going back and forth I got the script and I, I just I loved it hmm. she wrote such an intricate um, intense and yet there's a lot of moments where it's funny and a lot of moment, great moments between women um, and, and friendships and heartbreak and um, I just fell in love with this script and I really think this this is like a once in a lifetime kind of project that I came on board and it, it was just kind of something this sounds so lame but I just felt it in my gut that this was a project that I really wanted to be a part of um, especially because of the subject matter mm. but it, it just it was something so magical um, about the people that uh, are a part of this project and um, what we're attempting to do and the conversations we're, we're trying to raise and the people we're trying to help, especially those who've been silenced, it's an opportunity to um, use our voice and also raise theirs. So, Yeah. Um, I don't want to ignore you guys. You guys have been sitting here quietly. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Dan and Vince. Um, how are you guys doing? Don't make me. Don't segue from rape to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, like like Sorry, I said, there's, 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 there's no way. Well, like um, I didn't write down. Okay, like you know, there's a crescendo. So I, I didn't want a crescendo. So you know, I, in certain I, place. I, I have no I, clue. It's okay. Uh, okay uh, how about that rape? <laughs> no. Uh, well, we, okay. Let me let me let me mm-hmm. segue you like less awkwardly. Yes. <laughs> Dude, yeah, which is we were uh, the, the Young Turks Network doing news and politics when that case. We're gonna, I guess, suppose it's also interesting to talk about this conversation with the bar of men screaming in yeah, the background. But I, I think that means <laughs> Ottawa sports. scored or something. Yeah. yeah, Ottawa versus New York Rangers. Or maybe it was New York that scored. I have no clue. Anyway. So we were at the Young Turks Network doing news and politics every yeah. week when that mm-hmm. case broke that you were talking about in yeah. the media. And one of the things that was really troubling when we were doing that show yeah. was watching a very uncomfortable amount of men who mm-hmm. now we're on a Young Turks, for those of you who don't know, is a, one of the most popular YouTube news and politics networks. And yeah. it's out of mm-hmm. LA. And we were the Canadian branch, if you will, the yeah. affiliate, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple which million was subscribers. Just, yeah. So we yeah. were doing this show. And the idea is, is that audience is quote unquote air quotes progressive, right? Mm-hmm. And that, and we could not believe the sexism, like just couldn't believe it. We would yeah. cover GamerGate, like aren't these people just like not understanding how media works? And we would just get streams of people being like, "You're SJWs, yes. you don't get stuff." And then when we covered that case, mm-hmm. um, when we covered the Jian case, it yeah. was. When we did our, I believe, Lucy yeah, we did a video eats. about like that actually looked at the system. So we did we did a video that showcased how many reports are had mm-hmm. that and how many different like the statistics in general of how many things get yeah. to trial and get convictions per thousand scenarios. Yeah, uh, three convictions happen. Are you serious? Right, and so this is so. what we we're talking about, right? And this is the whole. You know, dude, bro, internet to the rescue where they start, well, yeah, but she's just lying or yada, Mm -hmm. yada, yada, like Mariah was talking about. And we've been kind of shouting that, you know, pre Trump Mm -hmm. saying, Mm -hmm. there's something dangerous in the water here. Like, people focus so much. And don't get me wrong, like, there's completely 100% racism with the Trump thing. There's completely 100%, you know, the lack of education in the American system and, and all of these contributing factors to like corrupt politicians, yada, yada, yada. But the, there's a huge through line of sexism that I don't think got enough credit. Now mm-hmm. we've segued into, like, Russia and all these things. That's the reason why Hillary lost. It was yeah. Comey. There's a ton of sexist people. Oh, sure. And the internet, especially Breitbart, all these things, like, those connecting factors that brought those people together was sexism. And, you know, we just saw Marine Le Pen get 35-ish percent of the vote. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and... Somebody did a really great tweet. I think it was like Jenna Freeman, who's a comedic writer. She wrote, "This is the this is a great day, but just remember." Uh, no, she said, "This is this is something to remember because, thank God, she wasn't a man." Yeah. If what she, would the if she was a man? Oh, really? What, what would that? Because the glue to that community, I'm telling you, the the trolliest mm-hmm. of the trolls, the creepers of the creepers, they are. Brought together by sexism. Don't get me wrong. Racism is a topic. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of different things in that milieu of stupid. Mm-hmm. But it there's so much sexism happening. 
And I've seen so many amazing creators not end up doing creations or leaving their channels because they can't deal with the crap that gets thrown at them mm. every other day. Um, the and, constant abuse that uh, that's you know streamed yeah. towards them, and it's it, it's just disgusting. And you know, and going going back to the 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 college aspect of it uh, that you were talking about, uh, NFL, for instance, right? I mean, uh, uh, it was a couple of years ago, the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks mm-hmm. number one draft pick, the quarterback, yeah. he's got you know accus- accusations right. against him. But nobody, you know, really talks about it, and they just, you know, move on with it. And that's the NFL. But I guess that's also the NFL. I mean, Ray Rice. Well, I saw on your blog that you called out uh, a panel that you were at a few years back, and Strahan oh, messaged wow. you back on Twitter, right? Well, Str- yeah, and uh, that was a little bit different, but yeah, Strahan. But just like they don't talk about anything in that league is what I was mm. trying to say. No, yeah, absolutely. And he <laughs> Those was, head injuries, I know. It was but... interesting because his broadcast partner, I can't remember the name now, um, it was at Adweek New York, and they talked about he, – he asked the NFL the question. Um, NFL really cares about their players. Right. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, good. Someone's going to bring up this whole concussion issue mm-hmm. about yeah. do they really care when right. they paid off the Players Association uh, that they can't be sued for this anymore and, and so on. And they didn't bring it up, so I tweeted it out, and I went back and forth a little bit with Michael Stray and says, it was brought up. Your guy brought it up. The broadcaster brought up the NFL said this, and he said, "Well, it wasn't, you know, we, it was a marketing thing." And yeah. I go, "Well, it wasn't a marketing question." <laughs> but you just know? in general, like they sweep everything yeah. under the well, rug. I mean, yeah. It's 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 the mighty dollar bill, right? Whether it is, um, you know, baseball encouraging the steroid era mm-hmm. uh, because it's you know all those home runs sold uh, more tickets, sold more jerseys, um, or. You know, whether it is with football, which is 100% money-driven, mm-hmm. um, you know, it doesn't, it does, you know, anywhere you go, whether it is with, um, you know, the CBC that some people say knew what was going on, um, but, you know, Gian was a moneymaker, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, for them. Ad revenue. Well, speaks, a, yeah. Speaking of just money in general, though, with this topic, is the thing that always blows me away is mm-hmm. I am 34. Mm-hmm. I went to high school... I graduated high school in the early 2000s. And when I went, when I was looking for universities, like it was, I don't mean this lightly. I mean this in like, it was almost a cliche or a trope that York was like rape capital of like yeah. university. Mm-hmm. And like, you you know, I had friends that went to York when I got into, you know, school and I had different friends in different places and everybody talked about it. And then there would be another rape that semester oh, and yeah, another and, and there's like a park that literally isn't well lit. Like there's yeah. like pathway from one campus to another. But anyways, my point is, is now there's a whole new crop of people right now that are going through and York is still. You know, I used to I know I used to know a guy in stand up that used to do this joke about it's kind of messed up. That we make jokes about priests and being pedophiles. Mm-hmm. And now that's like a comedy trope. Like, I wouldn't do that not because I shouldn't point it out, but because you've all heard it too many times. Like, wow. <laughs> like on that kind of joke writing level of like, yeah. and that's how I feel about, you know, a lot of the rape culture is it's right. like, have you ever seen that meme where somebody's holding up? I, I can't believe we're still protesting this shit. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, that's sort of how I feel about this in Canada, where it's like, I went to, I was going into to school. Now I'm 34, and the new batch of kids going to school, and nothing has changed. Nope. It's like they don't want to spend – forget the NFL and baseball. Like, we can't get schools to, like, put up a light. Like, yeah. we can't get places in Canada mm-hmm. that, you know, should be the safest spaces of all. Right. And then you hear media talking about, like, snowflake millennials, and you just want to scream, like, this is not the issue. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's talk about something that matters, yeah. please. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really, really huh. crazy. Um. Do you guys have another segue that we can go to talk about something else? It's just like you your, your natural conversations, though. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, here's what I'm curious about. You guys apparently have been like making making stuff, yeah, mm-hmm. for like years. Yeah, Where it, 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 was, all was um, you, you you mentioned in, in your in your intro, um, MySpace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, for the I, I'm a little bit older, like you said, than you, but you know, I, I, I never got my, I didn't get it. MySpace, I said, I don't get this thing. 
but was did you start creating on MySpace or was it YouTube? Where, where did you start creating? So I'll tell you, stuff? A, I'll tell you a fun story just because yeah. it shows mm-hmm. you. It, every time I can highlight how Canada's ass backwards, I I try. Uh, <laughs> so we were. I was in a comedy troupe that came out of school. I started out in like comedy stand up and sketch. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I came out of this group, and we we decided to do some videos. Group? It was called Cynically Tested. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's still that's we the yeah. YouTube page is still there. Yeah. So, All right. And uh, it's where we did Truth Mashup. It's where we did it. We just kept that YouTube page. It just yeah. evolved. But the point of that story was that there was a show on CBC called Zed. Mm-hmm. Zed. And yeah, like Z E D, Z E D, depending if you're Canadian. Um, <laughs> and so Zed was a place where artists and filmmakers, it was kind of hoity toity. Yeah. But mm-hmm. we were like, oh, there's no like barrier to entry on how you upload stuff. So this group and I, we just uploaded our comedy sketches to this and like linked it to people. Okay. And I was like, this is fantastic. And they took that down. This is 2005. And then YouTube shows up. And you're just like, oh, CBC. Like you literally had YouTube, like the model. You didn't have <laughs> the bandwidth to ever do it on scale. But. Uh, when YouTube happened, we transferred all of our stuff from Zed over to YouTube, and we wow. were like one of the first YouTubers. So that's where, as soon as that happened, I get a TV show deal because I was going around all the morning shows being like, what's the YouTube? <laughs> and then I became like the millennial poster child for a little bit of a stint. What was your TV show? Was that on This TV was called, or? no, this is like Digital Cable Siberia talk. This was like, this was yeah. like uh, by TV at the time, and then it was on another, we did another show for iChannel, we did a show for Rogers. We were yeah. just like, doing kind of 30 minute web series almost like okay. anywhere we would go we just wanted it to have access to online yeah, yeah. but we were so far ahead of anyone understanding how to do that properly mm-hmm. that we had to do these different things so myspace that's the long answer to vince and i do twixers together that's how i meet him mm. which is a tv series about millennials okay and how we were screwed and yeah. uh, and we still are so congratulations millennials way to yeah. grow by who you're welcome. Oh, just in general, yeah. like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, don't, like, just, just in general. Just yeah. in general. I mean, okay. I'm being like facetious a little sure. bit, but you know, you I'm talking about home, the yeah. student debts, yeah, the, yeah, Fair and enough. just like the problems of social media, et cetera, et cetera. So when we were doing when we were doing Twixters and we were doing that show, MySpace um, was still like a thing, and then we got asked by iChannel to do. We were thinking, okay, how do we once again? How do we mash? TV, who will have the budget in the studio, with an online platform that will actually give us audience because none of our people are watching Digital Cable Siberia. So we went to MySpace at the time and said, we want to do official video for you. Like, we want to do an election special. So we matched the TV channel, and then the TV channel and the MySpace thing went well, so we ended up getting another series out of it. Nice. So we were interviewing, we interviewed Jack Layton in that period and different, Mm -hmm. like, youth MPs that had decided to run. And that was the day that I decided I never wanted to like talk to politicians again. But we did it a couple more times in our career. But <laughs> why? They don't answer you. They don't have a conversation. Everybody's yeah, on like there was points. somebody who's yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No, it's just one of those situations. They just spew out talking points and they never actually do it. I mean, the was that painful for you in the booth? Because I was sitting yeah. there talking. I had to fake. Yeah, it definitely was <laughs> painful, right? Because it's it, it, it's also well, problematic to watch because, you know, you could, you could speak to your, you know, host and say certain things and say, okay, go here with the conversation. Go here with the, you know, go somewhere else with Vince the conversation. Vince is in my ear just being like, do whatever you can yeah. do. And, <laughs> and at the end of it all, you just keep hearing the same regurg- regurgitated. Because yeah. they program the younger people. Like, so for, I'll give you a couple examples of Which that. Which is like, the worst. When yeah. Jack Layton spoke, he was running mm-hmm. as a leader, obviously. like he was, mm-hmm. he, he was starting to see that upward momentum. This wasn't 2011 when they broke through. This is the election before. Mm-hmm. 2008. And we interviewed him with Olivia next mm-hmm. to him. So we interviewed both Olivia Chow and Jack. Now, Olivia is just an, an MP. MP. Yeah. So she's fantastic. She laughs at my jokes. She's really affable. And then I watched her run for mayor when she was the candidate. And, yeah. it's and, so and funny she to was watch. a robot. And yeah. it was just really funny to see that sort of because yeah. I didn't like Jack that much when I talked to him because he was so rigid on yeah. and Olivia was fantastic. Whereas a few years later, fast forward, talking to Olivia was like the same thing. So it's just the, we don't let politicians make mistakes. We don't let people in the public eye have gaffes because then it's oh it's a flip flop or oh they gaffed what's and everything's horse race coverage. So you know I hope they've learned now from from Ford and Trump that people will actually respond to real, no matter how outrageous. Yeah, I mean I think there's a lot. I of- think so. I mean, 
the thing that really but what is real though because we don't respond to real real like when somebody like john Kerry or or or, you know um michael ignatieff they say something they believe in but they're boring and milk toast but people who are train wrecks we label that real and Mm -hmm. that's okay but boring real never really gets counted as real so i always like boring real with the point even yeah it it, is pushed away but it's not the same i think hillary clinton was real it's just hillary clinton is hillary clinton's quote-unquote real is boring methodical and she's like thinking everything out so nothing sounds like she's super passionate because she's a wonk wonks don't scream no and like and people want screaming and then that's something else youtube taught us pretty quickly too is that people Mm -hmm. love train wrecks people love mm-hmm. yeah. manic street preachers yeah Pe- Al- alex jones wins right at the end of the day yeah the youtube model really teaches the the, the um evangelist model mm-hmm. like the televangelist model sell kool-aid yes is so much the digital age yeah. whether you what no matter take your politics like sjw's versus alt-right if that's the two spectrums we want to talk about, but Where's SJW said that twice now. Social justice warrior. So it's oh. a it's a term that was originally sort of embraced by Tumblr folks who are on the left, and now has become sort of a, a way to slander people who yeah, a derogatory. It term. Means, yeah, the derogatory term sort of means that you're outraged, professional outrage, I guess, for lack of a better way of describing it. But mm. that's sort of the internet world that we lived in for three years in the Young Turks because. It's just constantly people yelling at you from one side or the other. And when you want to have, like, an honest conversation, when you want to have yeah. just, like, what we're doing right now, like, sure. there's a gray area. Man. <laughs> Internet no, don't like no, that gray no. area. You can't make money off that gray Nuance area. Nuanced conversation. <laughs> what? I'd love no. to, you know, if I if I could write a book tomorrow, which no one would let me do because no one would read it. <laughs> but, I would read it. But uh, they would. Thank you. Publish now. Yeah, but they, there is a huge problem with, with the system that we have right now, with mm. the individual creator m- system, you're talking. About, I'm or? talking about media, actually. The, media this one, yeah. Okay. There's a huge problem with what my peer group mm-hmm. because we're so we're in the death spiral of the newspaper, and yep. they don't know how to get attention. Like they just don't understand that they're never going to get those numbers back. Like they keep being like, "Look, a tablet," or like, "Look, we have a magic <laughs> box now," and you're like, "No, you're just." There's too many other things to do. Yeah. It's not so much about that you've stopped doing this properly as much as it is there's 38 other things I could be doing in the morning to get my news. I could listen to a podcast, for example. You know, there's just so much more vying for your attention. And they are obsessed with, you know, feeding the appetite versus doing what's right. It's the same algorithm game that we used to play with YouTube is essentially what they're actually playing as well. They're looking at clicks, and so they gamify the whole thing, right? And so what what is flashy becomes the news item. TYT in 2016, the Unturks Network, became the Bernie Sanders, the Mm -hmm. official Bernie Sanders network almost. Yeah. Mm. And I and Vince were on a train where we're like, where are the people of color in this movement? How can you have a real revolution when it's mostly white, well-off folks? Like, you're a guy from Vermont who's 90 years old who doesn't understand the internet, nor doesn't seem to have a great coalition of, you know, anyone who's not white. It's slowly built, don't get me wrong. But in the early days, I was really heavily critical of that, and I just got taken to the woodshed by the audience. Really? And the people that stuck with Bernie until, like, I'm talking, like, right now, mm. were like, Bernie could have won. <laughs> like, those yeah. people, like, on the island that are still there being like, <laughs> yeah, they are doing amazing on YouTube. Mm-hmm. They're doing fantastic. Yeah. Their numbers are great. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> yeah, but, like, they're, they're just doing really well. And so, like, you see that there's no room for that middle ground. So, no. All the times when I hear people talking about all of these societal conversations that we're supposed to be having uh-huh. a lot and like I hate this person because they believe this or I don't like this group. Nine times out of ten, they just don't understand how the media is trying to monetize things now. It's like, you know, we were talking before that we turned mics on, Mariah and I, we were talking about web series and how there's people now that are just planning their flagpole and like social issues and making a show about it. Because how else is BuzzFeed, why would BuzzFeed talk about Mariah and Dance Beeren? We're not we're awesome. We're not. Yeah, exactly. We'd love to say because we're awesome. <laughs> yeah. But they need to. They need to hang their hat yeah. on something that'll drive clicks. That'll so drive revenues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you have a brilliant writer yeah. who's gone through an issue, mm-hmm. amazing. But there's a ton of 
like always there's been an entertainment exploit you know exploitive d-bags yeah. mm-hmm. who are ready to be like i've got a woman and it's a female lead <laughs> and, <you're just> like, <laughs> and you know so when mariah does what she did that she talked about off the top that's when everything works and everything clicks and hopefully your film gets attention and that's amazing and we've actually given new voices to things we've done something that's positive on the flip side though the pendulum swings the other way and mm. Alex Jones will make a movie next year and yeah. it'll be at South by Southwest because they'll be like we need the audience like yeah. Milo yeah. who was it at Tribeca it was like an anti-vax film they let in wasn't it yes there's a lot yeah. of Tribeca this yeah. year yeah. Uh, <laughs> well because De Niro right. is but also because it'll that sell that shocked me yeah, <laughs> but also it'll sell tickets, right? Yeah. Like there's a core the, group. Yeah. Everyone is just gaming niches, mm-hmm. and it, in the beginning, Twitter was the left wing darlings of the world, and we all loved it. And now I hear all my fellow left wing oh. friends like, "What happened to Twitter?" I'm like, "Everyone else showed up." Everyone else showed up. about this cool bar? Yeah, yeah exactly. That we, that we were hanging out. There's in. a ton of that social media. Like, I yeah. loved you until you're on the radio thing. <laughs> <laughs> Were you talking to me? Was that? <laughs> no, no, I meant the band. The band idea from like back in the day yeah. of like, your band's yeah. awesome. Oh, wait, you have a single on the radio? Yeah. <laughs> Forget yeah, that. Well, you're not screwing cool. that. Yeah. Mariah, do you feel that you're going to focus more on societal issues? On hmm. Honestly, I, I came from a comedy background. So I going into TV and film, I thought, oh, I'm going to do comedy. I'm going to do, you know, try and do female-driven comedy. But if it's a good story and it has yeah. a male lead, that, it has a male lead and it's a good story. Yeah. Um, but it, it just so happened that I have been kind of taking to more um, societal issues. Yeah. And I, I think um, I really, really love thrillers because I think it's psychological thrillers. I'm not a big horror, like a horror fan. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think they make people think differently. And then with comedy, you're able to kind of... Um, poke at the things that are wrong with society and if you make people laugh maybe they'll think about it as well um i i don't set out to be like i'm gonna do films about social justice and be it you know yeah in terms of like documentary filmmaking i really enjoy documentaries i don't know if that's something that i myself would want to do yeah. right now where i am in my career um but for the time being, I, the stories that I'm really, you know, attracted to or I want to read um, tend to have some kind of social nice part to it. So we'll I think it's the happens. times that we're living in right now. Mm-hmm. You think that electing a Nazi has something to do with, like, <laughs> maybe some well, of it's every. Want. I think it's everything that's, that, that's, that's going on. For sure. You know, if... If if someone like Kelly Leach is getting so much attention, yeah, um, it just tells me that there's enough "quote unquote" demand for that sort of a message. Well, I see and that. then on the other side, there's going to be the, the the you know those who who oppose her. But oh yeah, oh, oh I, I do agree with that, and that also Maxime uh, Maxim Bernier now yeah. you know having that argument on Twitter with Toronto Sun about whether or not he's a centrist, and the goalpost keeps that's what shifting me. to the right. Yeah, that's that's too. what scares yeah. me. Yeah, it's because like Kelly Leach yeah. is the bar for what's right wing, then that's frightening. Yeah. But I also want to push back on this just for a second because. I do think that that comes back to the gamification of media. The idea of trying to find us a Canadian Trump. The idea that mm. we... I'm not saying it's completely manufactured. I grew up in Barrie. Trust me. There's some screwed up white people in this country. But but I'm saying that in... Shout out to Barrie. Uh, <laughs> there was an angry beaver that got the cops called today. So, I mean, somewhere 1236 has a story tomorrow. But... but oh, my God. Shout out to Mark. So, this is the whole thing, right? Where... There, like I talked to you know, um, you're talking about Ed Keenan's going to be up, I guess, on the show yeah, coming yeah, up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was on his show, when we were sitting outside for a smoke break. I was talking to him like, listen, at some point, the media, the media, quote unquote, but our media has to sort of take stock of the horse race problem, and we give those folks name recognition because we like to cover them. Like, mm-hmm. it drives... St- it Like, people don't have to know anything. Mm-hmm. This was the thing we found out about being on YouTube, right? And I'm sure journalists listening to this were like, way to go, kids. Like, we knew this from day one. <laughs> but, but there's this thing, right, where if you can come up with a story that has a great headline and people need to know nothing about to read, yeah. that's the winner. So, like, whether it's a story about Tim Hortons or whether it's a story about Rob Ford is a train wreck or whether it's Kelly Leach said something kooky or Ezra held a stupid rally. It doesn't matter because as long as there's somebody that can get angry in the comment section mm-hmm. is, or on Twitter, 
it doesn't even matter who the story is for or against. If you can get mm. the feminists cool. or the <laughs> the alt-right crazies, mm-hmm. sexists, the, the men's rights activists, if you can get both of them arguing, cha-ching. And so I have a problem. You're talking about you started out in comedy, so I started doing yep. stand-up and sketch, right? Yep. I have a problem with anger sort of becoming craft now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. I'm like, I watch a lot of satire shows, and I'm just like, where's the jokes now? Mm-hmm. Like, it's yes. just like somebody yep. like, and I think that right now there's a great catharsis. But I think even Stephen Colbert ran into that a little bit. Like, I don't think that was that clever. I don't get, I don't think clever. the FCC should be up his ass, but I also think that that was. He was venting. Yeah. And also, wasn't that clever though? Like, I think that he could have done that bit a thousand times better. He had a moment of like, brah. Yeah. And but so I get that everyone wants. Does it matter to, though if it was good or not? Like, it does to me as a okay, as a writer, but I, I don't yeah. because I want those guys are brilliant. Mm-hmm. Anyone can stand up and scream and yeah. say I'm angry and I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. But the more if, listen, the yeah, Charlie the, the Charlie Chaplin great dictator. When you use your craft and what you're good at to point mm. out someone's foibles and to mm. do something is way more effective than just standing out and being like I'm mad. Except it's not in 2017 because. The craft thing takes time. <laughs> Do you and think that's the br- that was the brilliance of someone like a David Letterman? I think David Letterman's brilliance was he came around at the right time when TV needed um, a deconstructionist comic. Hmm. Television had been around long enough. I talked to Megan McCann on our podcast, who's a YouTuber who does fake, like satirical makeup tutorials to point out like real issues. Okay. And she said, "I'm like, how'd you come up with that?" She's like, "I looked at who I loved yeah. as a kid. And I was like, what were they really doing? Well, they were deconstructing what." they grew up on and so that's what i'm doing now except it's youtube instead of tv i mean you look at if you look at david letterman figured out the buzzfeed model before buzzfeed right like Mm -hmm. top 10 lists crazy stupid petrics like david letterman's show was the internet he never got the sort of you know quick youtube hits well because he'd already done it like everything that letterman did in the 80s they were passed by the time letterman was in the 2000s when it would have been relevant like if somebody had come up at worldwide pants and if they were smart, they would have brought a YouTube retro channel when he mm-hmm. was, like, jumping on the wall with the sticky Velcro yes. suit, when he was dropping things off. Like, <laughs> all of that shit is, like, straight up YouTube 101. And he was doing it in the 80s. But yeah. he did. He was done with most of that even before. Because I know, <laughs> I don't, I know Letterman really more from CBS as a kid, right? Because okay. he already makes that move in, like, 93. 93. 90. So I'm 10, right? Yeah, exactly. So you have to think about, like, the age. Fair enough. Yeah. So it's like... As I was saying, though, sure. in the 80s, yeah. if somebody took that content and put it on the YouTube, I guarantee you, you would have had a viral hit. But by the time Letterman was on YouTube, he was just interviewing like yeah. celebrities and they yeah. were, you know, it had passed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, but I love David Letterman. You, you talked about, you talked, we, we talked about newspapers and the death of newspapers. Yeah. Um, and then we talked about, you know, sort of these these arguments that people have online and uh, polarizing differences and stuff. So last week, uh, Desmond Cole, formerly of the Toronto Star, yeah, uh, gets called in and says, you know, you, you can't be the story anymore, you got to change or whatever. Um, doesn't get fired, <laughs> um, but decides to quit um, and says, if I have to choose between um, toning down and not covering these issues or for him being true to himself um, you know he chose the latter uh, you know and he is someone who you know at this time and age um, is, is talking uh, about these issues really talking truth to power um, and not taking a back seat um, your your thoughts on, on, on sort of what he's done and where where you see someone like him going in, in today's media world it's really interesting because a lot of it we built in so when we took i'll give you an example that's i'll come back to desmond but yeah, yeah. in web series for example we've done a lot of studies at the iwcc we've done and we've helped partner with stuff and it's come back that things aren't diverse this hasn't mm-hmm. opened up the doors we thought it would it's there's still not a lot of women in cinematography there's still not a lot of women mm-hmm. behind the camera yeah still not people of color and screen why is this that wasn't this the great democratizing factor of everything but what sure. we realized really quickly is that 
all of the people that had the skill sets and all the people that were incubated are still white folks from the old system, right? Yeah. Like old white dudes were the ones who taught. And then so, why? Right. Well, you finish that sentence if you want, but <laughs> access point. Yeah, right? there's an access point in, right? So you see YouTubers, and there's a ton of privilege there. So what Desmond's dealing with in this country is a slew of issues. Being a, as the newspaper dies, they want a white condo. They want who buys newspapers, right? So there is no monetization mm-hmm. incentive to talk about what he wants to talk about. And that's the question I think that people don't want to talk about is that they, you know, he's getting clicks, yeah, which is what he talks about, but that's not what Cadillac wants. Clicks. Yeah. Like and that's what I think that we know what he really wanted to peer yeah. back. And now, listen, there's a ton of other issues, so don't get me wrong. This isn't, but I'm just, this is sure. what I'm talking about on your show because I saw the other ones get covered quite heavily. Yeah. And I agree with them. But this is something that I think that people aren't talking about is, is that there's a youth gap because Desmond speaks for a younger generation. Yeah. There's an obviously a culture gap. Sure. I mean, it goes back to Robin Doolittle at this, not just calling her out, but like I remember the Patois thing mm-hmm. where she didn't know what that was mm-hmm. during the Ford scandal, right? Yeah. Just the, And it's a like, specific you, term, yeah. And, you know, Mark brought this up on your podcast last week about people who come into Toronto that aren't from here, don't know yeah. the neighborhoods. There's a lot of us white folks who just who get the hell out of Dodge and come here and yeah. don't have that multicultural upbringing. So where Desmond comes into play is I think that we're in this period of flux where, you know, two days later, Christy Blatchford gets to write her column about how Desmond's a, <laughs> a, a whiny millennial snowflake, right? Mm-hmm, and yeah. that's great. That's who the market wants. That's what they want to hear. Um, so Desmond's in a lose-lose for me all the time because, one, there's not a voice as smart and interesting as he is mm-hmm. in our media, black or white. Absolutely. Two, he has to speak for his community all the time. Yeah. He doesn't get five minutes to just be a Toronto media personality. He has sure. to be yeah. Toronto's black media personality. That's the thing. I They've made sure that there is no degrees of separation in terms of he could be sometimes be 100% activist and sometimes be 100% media personality. Yeah. He has to wear both those hats at the same time all the also time. Toronto's media will call him up for... Yeah. comment because they don't know another black person they don't know. <laughs> that's the truth so yeah. it's like so i mean you know that's the problem with this industry in like, general that's what frustrates me right it's, it's just you know as a brown guy sitting at the table this is just one of those situations where you know constantly you don't go out of your way to look for different perspectives and then all of a sudden you know, they they then later on complain about the fact why isn't there diverse perspectives? You got you've done panels before. Everyone around this table's done panels yeah. before. So mm. I'm a white dude. So I'm going to take myself out of this because <laughs> I don't I don't count here. But as soon as they find one of the other three of you, yeah. the other problem is is they just stick with you. So it's like we got our brown guy now. Yeah, <laughs> and like it's yeah. the same Checking brown guy every time. Brown guy, like, yeah. black guy, right. female. Right. Yeah. But that yeah, yeah. person just works over and over again, as opposed to the scouting, if you will. They remember the agenda got in trouble for this a couple of years ago, and they asked about women, and they were like, "Well, women don't want to come as much." <laughs> Everyone was like, "What?" And that was a big scandal in Toronto media because there's this set list of people. So now what you're seeing is groups and activist groups within media putting out lists. Here are people for tech conferences that that are women that you should be having on you. Mm-hmm. So there's no excuses anymore. It's not yeah. just like, I didn't know so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Right. So anyways, I think that the end result, what you asked about with Desmond is that we're in an age where media is changing and we're in an age where I think people have to find where they fit. Mm-hmm. But I also don't think, removing this conversation from Desmond, I don't think the media has figured out their comfortable factor from the days of old to the new model of like how much is me centric how much is a journalist but they dove so deep into when we did our second television series truth mashup we went to the national post and interviewed matt gurney because i was fed up with how many 
editorials I was seeing that didn't have like I would like picked apart editorials basically as like yeah. a as a leftist being like this isn't factually correct. There's no facts in this. It's just somebody being like my gut opinion. And he's like, well, that's what editorials are. And maybe in 1972 that was fantastic, but yeah. in this day and age. Every a-hole on Twitter has got 60 of them, and mm-hmm. everyone's got a podcast. Yeah, it's true. So it's like, I don't need more opinions. I yeah. need people to, like, dissect things and explain things to me. And mm. I think that's where things are shifting now, where you're seeing more people. This week, there was a bunch of different online companies that put more money, like Vox and things, into longer-form content that's going to be explainers, that's going to try to give you clarity. Because we saw in the Trump era, and we saw here in Toronto with the Ford era, you know, it was like car tax, and it was just like that yeah, was that was it. That was it. Sixty-four dollar car tax, and people voted because yeah. that's all they'd heard about. And so, mm-hmm. when you get through all of this, I think that everybody, not just Desmond, but all of us in the youth that are in, a little bit younger, under thirty-five, are dealing with the balance of trying the pressure of trying to get clicks hmm. versus the pressure of being objective. Hmm. And when you mix in the activism questions, there's a complete double standard. So that's a whole other topic. But I think from the media standpoint, moving forward from millennial journalists, we got steeped in, you know, who got thrown into the rooms, right, to do these kind of clickbait stories? It was us. So you got an entire generation of of journalists that grew up in, get the clicks, kid. (laughs) And now it's, you know, a situation where that's what you believe that that's how you're supposed to act now i don't think desmond did that i think desmond's just being true to himself Mm -hmm. but there's like you know we could talk about that topic for 18 hours and a white dude's not the right voice for (laughs) is um i do this um not to make money uh, fortunately, if I if I did this for money, I, I are you asking us I'd for money? <laughs> so can you go to my Patreon? I don't have. <laughs> um, no, so I'm so I'm curious. So so first of all, there were there were they, we had recently had the newspaper awards. A week. And the only reason why we know that is because it's on it trends on Twitter. Because which, it trends on Twitter, which says so much about Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. And the National Observer right. won an award. Mm-hmm. So the, so they're they're online. Um, and uh, Bruce, oh, what's his last name? He was on my podcast. Anyways, so Br- Bruce wins an award for writing about um, the guys who own Imperial in in in, in the East Coast. Anyways, the, this this massive maritime family, um, and they own all the media uh, oh, right, out east. Right. Um, and he wins an award. Um, he, you know he is uh, he's independent. He'll write and, and shop stories around and and then write for them. Um, newspapers are quote unquote dying. Um, more people are sort of getting into independent media, creating their own things. Um, are we are we going to get into an era where I don't see there being the ability to make a good living? in this new era of digital media uh podcasts like this um web shorts um independent movies i don't know which is my opinion you guys correct me if i'm wrong are we going to see more people who have their quote-unquote full-time gigs who are creating these amazing things on the side um not having to worry about how much clicks can i get to sell media but i just want to create something that's amazing and if I've got to work as a lawyer or as a line chef, that's what I'll do uh, because I want to create something that's great and not create something that's going to be financially viable. I'm curious what you guys think of that. I'm just here for the free drinks. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And no, it's Taco Tuesday here. And it's Taco Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. So that's what, the only reason why I partnered with Growth Radio. <laughs> I had two other offers and I was like, which one gives me free food and drink because I'm in the arts in 2017? Uh, no. Uh so there's a really good, if for those, I don't know if it's still on Vimeo back, this is going back a few years, but there was a really great doc called Press Pause Play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was all about what you just asked. Mm-hmm. And it's the idea of this was the only period in history, the 20th century, that being where art made money. Like it was a commercially <laughs> okay. Every other era, every other period of history, yeah. we were all just like on the street corners being like, I'm painter. And they're like, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Here's, you know, a shilling. And, um, and so... This is that situation now where I think that I think a lot of people are afraid, but I think a lot of it is, as I said, I think it's a generational shift only because 
there's so many different ways to make money. So you, it depends how you look at it, right? Is anyone going to make tour star money from the like late 90s again? Maybe not. But there's also 30,000 guys like us mm-hmm. that are making three grand a month on Patreon. So it's like the money's being spread out in different ways. How to be that guy mm-hmm. is a whole other podcast but or girl. But like the idea is I think that democratization for me, it interests me on not how much money we're all going to be able to split, mm-hmm. but it's more interesting to me on what it does to the craft and what it does to actually the, you know, the end result. We talk about fake news. We talk about... Um, you know, web series Mariah and I were chatting before the show started about like how many shows we see that just lack the effort or like lack lack the skill set that aren't mm-hmm. lit properly, don't have good audio, and all of these different problems. So when you're asking about money, I think that no one's figured that answer out. But I think the answer is most definitely going to be the money's never coming back the way it was. Mm-hmm. So. You know, right in my era, it was do your shows, do your thing, and then do some panel talks and do some other, you know, it was those kind of different hats where he, you know, I've made a living. made a little bit everywhere. Sure, right. I mean, you know, Jesse, um, you know, we did this thing called the Academy of the Impossible, Jesse Hirsch put on, and Hmm. almost everybody that came out of there, Steph Guthrie with, you know, Drunk Feminist Films is a producer there now and and does stuff on her own. Um, And, you know myself and Vince's journey. All of like, there's not anybody that came through there that wasn't Desmond's. Not a great example. Like, mm-hmm. Everybody's doing five. Desmond's got a CFRB show, a column. Yeah. You know he was doing Candleman for a bit. Like it's just like yeah, He's writing they, a book now. Right. Yeah. yeah it's Look at his movie. resume. Yeah. It's the, yeah. it's so eclectic. And yeah. and, and it, but what what concerns me about that money aspect that you're talking about, where it's you know dwindling into you know small portions into uh, different places is then again access point becomes an issue For sure. more and more and so people like me to get in it just becomes that much more difficult right? and even like a poor white dude yeah like, no I mean, i'm I, fucked I too yeah like so it's sorry i don't know if we could spread on this podcast we, were, we i went pretty well without doing it but <laughs> yeah um yeah like i i don't know what that I don't know what no, we do a collectively. Class yeah, that is. is being established, yeah. and that really scares me. And not to yeah. let, not to be like fight the proletariat or anything. <laughs> it's just legit. Like we're losing opinion yeah. by how the system is working, right? Like you know, you think about my. I, I don't want to name names, but there is. I see this now, right? Like my generation is taking jobs and like cementing themselves into. Are, are, are like their names on media. Like they're panelists now, they're mm-hmm. regular columnists, they have editor jobs. And I know all of them, and they were straight up the kids who could afford the internship mm-hmm. for, to work for six to eight mm-hmm. months for free. And so, you know, when that Occupy conversation comes back around like it will every generation, we're going to have another generation of tone deaf people because <laughs> we haven't let folks in the door. Um, so even when, you know, Vince and I how blunt do we really honestly want to be on this podcast? But like we've had this conversation where even yeah. the folks that be aren't honest. white yeah. have a, a very white gaze. Yeah. That's, that's the truth. Privilege right. Gaze. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Privilege. Yeah. Privilege. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. The yeah. white privilege gaze. Yeah. 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 It definitely it is something that we actually talk about. And you know, even me to a certain extent, it's, and that's why yeah. for me, it's so painful when the thing that happened with Desmond Cole happened this week, mm-hmm. because it's the one voice, like yeah. the one Who's, big uh, voice mm-hmm. that is like, yeah. not that, that is trying to say, Hey, 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 what's going on here? And, that's the guy we're like, no, your activism, yeah. no. But we're like, gonna brand you as activist. Right, but brunch yoga time activism. <laughs> no, that's that's okay. perfect. <laughs> yeah. And that's the issue when you know, to draw it all back around, is that we've gotta have a conversation about not just where the where's the money going, how do you make a living, mm-hmm. but who gets to make the living. Mm-hmm. And that's where the, the conversation gets more complicated. Mariah? I think the other thing kind of touching on a lot of topics that we've, we've been talking about tonight. Um, research. People don't do their research on opinions, and especially with, um, oh man, the music is 
bumping. Yeah. Woo. Uh, <laughs> your 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 opinion's cooler than my opinion. Yes. <laughs> you, you got a soundtrack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah woohoo. Um, but I, I think that's one thing that I notice, especially with um, even my friend group, but my my gener my generation um, and the kind of younger half of millennials. Um, they they don't even necessarily know what they're angry about. They don't even necessarily know <laughs> what they're talking about. Like they're like retweet, retweet, retweet. Oh, you know, so and so's an idiot. This is that. Like can't believe this happened. I'm like, do you even know what happened? Like, did you even? You know, we have this wonderful thing called Google. Like, if you can't find a newspaper or open a book or, like, do anything else, um, you can Google it and figure out what happened. And I think that's also a massive issue that's happening right now is people don't know what's really going on. People don't really I – don't, I also don't really think people care sometimes. Let's end on that. <laughs> I a, Sorry. I have a, I have a friend who, who broke up recently, and I asked, like, why did you break up? And mm -hmm. she said there was no depth. Like, he would – sort of understand issues and he would be upset about something but when I asked him about it he didn't have any opinions and she she framed it as retweets only guy ooh I love that <laughs> I was like oh retweets only is such a great way of putting somebody who's yeah. just like I'm gonna hit the button because I know that makes me look good exactly. or I know that like that's a good yeah. signal but like I don't wow. if you ask somebody about like what do you oh yeah so what do you want what do you think about that and we had that all the time like we'd go to Young Turks meetups not to rag on Young Turks it's just our experience it would happen with any mm -hmm. media meetup yeah and the people there would be like oh yeah you know we're all we watch the show and I was like well what do you think about you know insert Canadian issues like oh I don't really follow Canadian politics yeah. I'm like, oh okay well you're a Young Turks fan so I guess maybe you're American even though you're Canadian you like American politics then we'd find the guy who liked Canadian politics and be like, oh, what did you think about? And we would go like, an, you know, a centimeter deeper than like, do you hate Harper? Yeah, <laughs> and that's it. And it was just like, yeah. it was just, you know, the eyes went. They glazed over. Yeah. Don't ask me for an opinion. Yeah. Yeah. They started sweating. Well, we found that out about like our show. One of the, the big flaws of our show is we felt like we had to do the John Oliver model for Canadians about Canada. Like John Oliver yeah. usually has to like take us like some sort of obscure issue, and we'd be like, "This is the budget," because yeah. <laughs> nobody in Canada knows who Understood. the ministers are. Yeah. They don't know who the deputy prime minister. Is. They, like the Steve Bannon of Canada, mm -hmm. nobody could tell you. Nobody and knows who. Butts is. Nobody knows. Anyway, so. And it's funny, right? Because during the election, one of the big topics as Trump, you know, gained momentum, everybody was showing was that, you know, uh, oh, 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 you know, a third of Americans can't actually identify even one of the three branches of government. And everybody was sharing it and it was a big deal. And I was sitting there and going, you know, if, if we asked Canadians right. what are the three branches of government, right. uh, <laughs> I'm sure some Canadians will answer that question. Yeah, you know, we've done stories about that over the years, yeah. right, about just the lack of media literacy and the lack of government knowledge like I always joked around that Canada was in desperate need of Schoolhouse Rock mm. up here but we mm. don't make things so <laughs> there's, there's, I will retweet that yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean so it's like it's not to be negative it's just about like there are these holes in our culture yeah. that we need to be aware of because it limits our perspective on how we deal with the issues and yeah. I think that feeds back into the media like they know it too right and like the thing that nobody wanted to talk about during the Ford era was that that made a lot of money for a lot of people. Yep. Yeah. Rob Ford videos paid my grocery bills. Mm -hmm. Like, I woke up one morning. We did it in Toronto in 2010. So Rob Ford was supposed to come on our show and do it and cruise through the village with me. Yes. Like the, no jokes. And then they they clearly Googled me <laughs> they, and was like, oh, shit, whose idea was this? Yes, this is a they, terrible idea. Yeah, they pitched the idea yeah. to us. And then we're like, okay, sure. Let's right. do it. <laughs> so we, I was so excited. And so we interviewed every other mayoral candidate that election except for Ford. But I woke up one morning in whatever it was, 2013, whenever the scandal broke, mm -hmm. and we had done these videos. We're like, screw it, we'll put it on YouTube. It was 2010, whatever. We'll go on our YouTube channel now. It's done with. And I woke up one morning, and all of a sudden, I got 100,000 views just because the crack scandal broke. Mm -hmm. And so after that, it was just like Rob Ford pinata time, right? But we were doing a comedy show, and we felt like legitimately, we were taking on the homophobia. We were taking on the sort of like neglect of the city and like the, you know, in my opinion, income inequality issues of his idea of what right-wing politics is. But at some point, Vince and I looked at each other and we're just like, okay, I don't, like, there's nothing left to hit. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's when things just got sad, mm -hmm. like, I kind of was like, oh, all right. You know, like, when things, now I saw, like, you know, there was a guy, there's a great line from uh, when, when JFK was assassinated. Mm. There, there, there's a great stand-up who did an impression, right? He had a, he had, he had a 
biggest selling Von Meter. It is the biggest selling album by impersonating the Kennedys. And Lenny Bruce gets up on stage at night, <laughs> that night that JFK gets assassinated and goes, tough night for Von Meter. <laughs> <laughs> and and like that, there's a guy at a musical who was like he had, he had staged an entire Rob Ford musical, and then Rob Ford's like, "I have cancer," and all I could think about was that guy oh, being yeah. like, "Somewhere there's a guy who's like, I have dancers, <laughs> and, and I have like I have a to crew. pay for all of this. yeah." And and that's but the Toronto Star, the media were just like, "Whatever," and they just kept hitting the oh, gong yeah. over and over again. And going back to that conversation with with Keenan outside that one day, it's just like at some point. Everybody has to admit that, like, that trough was fantastic, and mm-hmm. the Trump trough was fantastic in that period before the election. How many people do we know from that era of Toronto journalists right. simply because right. they covered that? Robin right? Doolittle. Yeah. I mean, uh, same way, like, Daniel Dale's basically mm-hmm. still Daniel doing Dale. the same yeah. beat. Yeah. Now he's just doing Trump. <laughs> yes. Trump beat. Yeah. yeah, it's the same. Like, he's just, like, he got hired to do, well, I mean, he got put on that beat solely because it's deja vu again, right? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. So, you know, you take a look at that, and, you know, now Jonathan Goldsby's at Candleland. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he also was a big, you know, so it's all of us, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, uh, that's where I got a lot of, you Google my yeah. name, but that's where most, a lot of, I used to be, the only times I've ever got recognized, like, hey, you're that Rob Ford guy. Mm-hmm. It's true. I was at, I when I was at Occupy doing that, they were like, it's the Rob Ford guy. Yeah. I was like, I, I, <laughs> the, so, yeah, I mean, Toronto Twitter was in its raging high, you know, golden year and <laughs> year singular Um, but yeah I think that there's a lot of stuff to like to be mindful of in in the new era and like we're not learning lessons I feel I feel we're just repeating things which is you know society yeah but you've got Donkey Kong in your shirt so I mean that's pretty cool let's just let's just just try to like focus on the good times (laughs) it's on man thanks guys for coming in thanks for chatting really appreciate it Mm -hmm. thank Thank you. you Yeah, that was just like. Thank a, you so much. I yeah. feel like that was like a somber ending. We're like, thank <laughs> so, you. So, thank anyways, you so much. we just what we want to say is that everyone's screwed, and come to Teal Web Fest. <laughs> yes. Do it, do it. Take a selfie come with on. me. Come find me there. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be there too. Huh? I'm the guy with the beard. <laughs> oh, well. Thanks, man. Appreciate Thank. It.